I think culture in, involves everything that we all do, whether it's innate or it's on purpose. And there are so many things that we're that we do as part of day to day, as far as interactions with both you know our our properties and um, even our guests. And then there are things that I'm trying to do to to change our culture to sort of shift it a little bit more. Welcome to the Proven Principles Podcast, the show that deconstructs the inner workings of the hospitality industry, breaking down the tools, tips, and tricks that the world's best-run hotels use every day. Here's your host, Adam Knight. My guest today is Sheenal Patel. He's the co-founder of Arbor Lodging and chief executive officer at Arbor Lodging Management. I find the stories of senior leaders in hospitality who don't come up through the industry interesting mostly because it's fairly rare, but also because there's usually a shared camaraderie with others who know deep down what it's like to work on the front lines of a busy hotel or restaurant. That's often the precursor to earning respect in the industry. Well, Sheenal's story is different, and that's why I wanted to have him on the show. As a CEO, you have many stakeholders to manage and complicated problems to solve, all while motivating your team to achieve. If the past couple of years have taught us anything, it's that the soft skills of leadership are the difference maker. And as discussions about culture dominate the industry right now, Sheenal is leading his team with a humble, seek first to understand style, which comes in part from not coming up through the ranks of a hotel company. We touch on the current climate, what we've learned over the past couple of years, and what is yet to come. So if you'd like to know what keeps a hotel CEO up at night, this episode might help. So let's get to it. This is episode 93 of the Proven Principles podcast, Sheenal Patel on what's next for the hotel industry. Enjoy. Hi, Sheenal. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your, well, yourself, but I'm really interested to dive in a little bit into your early career and what led you to where you are today. So I'll, I'll just, I'll open it up with that and you take it wherever you want to go. Sure. Um, well, my early career, I, um, I went to University of Michigan and I studied economics and I minored in math. And um, when I graduated, I wanted to start a career in finance. So I was looking at sales and trading as well as investment banking. And um, I ended up going the investment banking route. And at first, um, I was on uh, sort of just general investment banking, um, high yield debt origination um, of bonds. And then I moved to working for Related, where I started being a little bit more focused on real estate. And um, I was still on the finance side. Um, working on uh, financing uh, larger multifamily projects, bond, de bond debt, um, some tax credit equity work. And during that, um, my current business partner, uh, Bamsi Bamthala, he was a private equity lawyer uh, in New York. We, we were both in New York. And over lunches, we really just wanted to have some passive income, some side income. And so over lunches, we talked about this and we're like, hey, let's let's do a real estate deal on the side uh, because we can create passive income rather than, you know, a real, you know, big operating business. And um, and I was familiar with real estate. So we we just went out to a few brokers, really as sort of cold calls. And uh, the first deal that came across our desk that we thought that we could close on was a hotel deal. Wow. And we worked with uh you know, we found a third-party management company, and um, we were able to get it closed. And that's that's really how it started. It was, you know, almost by chance. Huh. 
Um, we, we ended up really liking the fundamentals of the hotel business and how if we rolled up our sleeves, we could create some operating efficiencies. And we also saw, you know, that was about 15, 16 years ago now. Um, and we saw that you know, Wall Street was starting to provide some pretty favorable financing out there for it too. So, uh, you know, that's, that has developed even further now, you know, the big investment banks are, are, are all over this luxe service space. So you got into the hotel space without ever working in a hotel or did you have any, any, like, did you hold a restaurant job before any connection to no, nothing. So, uh, I mean, was it, is it completely different or was it completely different than you thought it was going to be before you got in? Well, when we first started, um, we were really looking at this from a financing side and a return perspective. So we didn't, we didn't operate the hotels ourselves. We worked with, you know, really a large third-party management companies. And um, i say about two years after we did our first deal, we decided to bring management in-house because we thought that we could um, just operate it more efficiently. Uh, you know, I think if you were to ask our team, you know, most people would say, oh, you know, I've, I've been in every position, so I know how to do it. The thing is, I'm very open with everyone here that I do not know how to operate a hotel, <laughs> right? I, I can, I can, you can, buy I can them. read spreadsheets <laughs> and I can read metrics and, you know, sort of learned how to uh, lead and manage people. And I can ask questions, um, but I'm upfront with people on my team. I mean, I, I hire experts and the folks on my team are extremely strong and I'm deferential to them when there's something that comes up on the hotel side. I'm not going to claim that I know the answer. Um, I ask them and I have to sort of rely on, on the experts that are, um, that are around us in the organization. Yeah. I'm glad that you brought that up because that, that humble style of leadership, that knowing, knowing that you don't have all the answers is something that a lot of leaders like to say that they do, but it's very hard to put into practice. And what's interesting in the hotel business is it's traditionally, it's probably one of the only industries out there that rewards longevity, meaning the longer you're in it, the easier it is to go up the ladder. And so what you get, yeah. I would say more often than not are senior leaders that have done a lot of jobs on the way up every rung of the ladder. So they just have this sort of innate knowledge of the way of doing things. And that is, also comes with pros and cons, because you do kind of get stuck in mm -hmm. your own way of doing things. But when you're coming at it, like you're saying, from a fresh perspective, and you hire experts to do jobs, and you're very upfront about letting them do the job that they were hired to do, uh, I, I feel like that that would be a very strong culture builder in, in the organization. But at the same time, I'm wondering, did you find early days, did it was it a hindrance to you? Did you, did you get the respect that you thought you were going to get as a, you know what I mean? You kind of know where I'm going with this question here. Yeah. Well, I'd say for a very long time, I mean, I never expected to get any respect <laughs> and I, <laughs> I don't know that, um, I really got a lot of respect that, I mean, it was just, we were a lot, we, we were a lot smaller for a lot, long time. Um, and so I, a lot of times I was just asking questions and trying to understand more. Um, I, th I think now, um, you know, I still don't know. I know I still don't know exactly how to operate a hotel, <laughs> right? Like I, I, I know what pieces need to be put in yeah. place. And, um, 
but you know, I, I there are if if I sit in like a really heavy operations meeting, there's there's a lot of the, the business has evolved over the last fifteen years to become um, very scientific. There's a lot of metrics and data, and I know what that data means. Um, I don't always know how to effectuate change at the ground level, uh, but we have strong people in place now that can help get that change done. They know how they've seen it before. They know how to, uh, what works, what doesn't work. Um, and you know, how to, um, how to operate hotels. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't know if I answered your no, question. No, you did. You did definitely. And I think the last, you brought up change, which is definitely something I wanted to to cover today and KPIs and heavy operations meetings. I mean, yeah, it, we're, we're very good at putting metrics in place to tell ourselves that we're doing a good job in this industry. There's, there's a, a measure. It's yeah. like, you know, what it like baseball stats or, you know, they measure everything. Um, but over the last couple of years here, as, uh, as, as the CEO of a hotel company, how has this changed? How has this industry changed from your perspective? I mean, we all know, yes. Okay. You know, guests went away and now they're coming back. Staffing has always been tough. Now it's worse. Aside yeah. from those two big headline items that are, that are just dominating the news, why don't you give us a peek behind the curtain from your perspective? What are you, what's keeping you up at night today? Um, I think what's keeping me up and what I am focused on right now, uh, obviously is, is staffing. That's still a, a, a thing that everybody's dealing with, but that's, you know, to be a little bit more granular about staffing, um, it's we've moved from sort of just trying to survive through COVID to now this is there are certain factors that we're always going to have to deal with, which you know the labor issues and the staffing issues are still there. So from a staffing perspective, what I'm more concerned about is having the right people in the right place, and then how do we motivate those people to to get things done to get. Uh, to, to be the right leader for their properties, to to really push it on our guest service, uh, on our cleanliness. Because what I'm seeing is that most ho- you know hotel operators and managers, when I say operators, folks at the, at the ground level, they know how to operate hotels through through tough times. They know how to operate hotels when they don't have. Um, staffing. They also know how to operate hotels when they don't have supplies and they, you know, condition, there's condition issues. And, you know, we've been able to luckily solve a lot of those, uh, but the staffing issues has continued. Um, but where we, where we see service issues and continuous cleanliness issues is where we have, you know, managers and supervisors that have not been trained on how to lead and manage and aren't um you know aren't in the right heads yeah. and that's where i see you know sort of my role uh, at the top of the organization is how do i create a culture at this point now that is not about you know just surviving through covid um that is about trying to create the right environment for our leaders and our managers so that they can then feel comfortable and safe 
to manage their people and help them grow because that's the only way we get, we get out of this and we push our cleanliness scores and our service scores, Um, you know, just by providing an action plan and saying, Hey, you know, make sure breakfast is out and that it's clean. You know, that, the thing is that those details, everyone knows. And I, and I tell our people here at corporate regularly is that if you're sending an action plan to somebody, there's nothing on there that is rocket science, right? For our type, you know, we primarily manage select service hotels. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty straightforward operation. Um, what is hard is making sure our people are in the right mindset to continuously motivate their people to be out there in front of the guests and keeping those, you know, the buffet areas clean and um, interacting with guests and and being positive and making sure that guests feel welcome. And that's what's going to get our scores up. Yeah. Yeah. And I think back to when I was on property and it's been a long time now, but the... <sighs> It was, it was very difficult to run short-staffed in a very tight operation for prolonged periods of time. You could do it, you could do it for short bursts, but if there yeah. was no light at the end of the tunnel, the people, everybody from leadership down to the, you know, the person doing the overnight shift, would at some point that those stresses would make their way down the chain. And the goal of the leader was always to just try to keep your arms around it. Like, okay, we're almost there. Like, we'll get through it. We're going to, everything's going to be okay. And, you know, as you go up into it, I don't think it really matters if you're in a select service space or in the luxury space, anywhere in between those basics still apply across the board. And, and the challenge was always which basics are actually basics. (laughs) What are the things Mm -hmm. that you can, you could that can be stripped away when they need to be that don't affect the guest experience that keep the team happy and also improve efficiency so that you can keep doing them. We talked, actually I did a podcast just the other day, I recorded one uh, where we talked about, you know, steps within the operation equal time. And the more steps there are to do things, the more, the more time you need to do that job. And therefore the more bodies that you need to do that job over a longer period of time. Right. So how do you find the steps that you can eliminate to then make your operation more efficient? I feel like we're in Mm -hmm. this space right now where we're trying to figure out what, what truly matters. And I don't, I don't disagree with that. Um, I think in, in hotels where there are, you know, a lot more amenities that probably is something that is um, comes up a little bit more uh, in our hotels that are a little bit more basic. Um, what we're seeing, what really does matter is getting back to that um, customer service culture, that guest service culture, like trying to connecting with guests when they come in. Um, and, you know, the actual providing the service Everyone knows what to do there. And I don't think there's really too much that, at least from where we sit, we're not planning on um, sort of watering down the service levels from where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're trying to do is, in fact, on the opposite, is really try and increase our service levels. But it's really through uh, through people and their interactions with people. Yeah. And, and that's that's what we think is, is really going to be able to help increase our scores. And a lot of that is making sure that people don't feel so overworked that they're always tired or they're grumpy or that they're disengaged and unhappy. Um, cause that's going to put them on, on the other side of their brain and, 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 and not in a place that they're going to be able to be 
uh, able to communicate and connect with our yeah. guests. When you talk about culture, when you think about culture, how would, if somebody asked you to define the culture at your organization, how would you do that? It's a tough yeah. thing to describe in a sentence um, because it's, I think culture in, involves everything that we all do, um, whether it's innate or it's on purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are so many things that we're um, that we do as part of day to day, as far as interactions with both, you know, our, our properties and um, even our guests. Um, and then there are things that I'm trying to do to to change our culture to sort of shift it a little bit more. And a, that shift is a lot because we went through this this crisis, and now, you know, for all intents and purposes, at least is how the rest of the world sees it, is that we're out of this mm-hmm. crisis. Uh, you know, I don't think that's that's the truth because we have a lot of um, issues that came out of this crisis that we're still sort of reeling with and dealing with. Um, but culture is how, for where the way I define it, it's it's how we um, how we treat our people, the environment that we put them in, and what we expect of them. Uh, and how that trickles down to our guests. Mm-hmm. And our culture sort of defines that, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It's never an easy thing to get your arms around. You know, sure, you could, you wow. know, your mission statement is what it is. And, you know, your values statement yeah. is core values. Those are what they are. But when you when you have to, def- that's why culture is such a difficult thing to, it's easy to talk about. It's hard to put into practice because it's, because articulating it to people can be so tricky. And that's why, you know, actions are yeah. so much more important than the words that you just put on a wall or in a binder, right? Yeah. You, you know, I was on at one of our properties yesterday and I talked to uh, one of our GMs and, and he, he, I didn't even ask him. He just said, you know, one of the things I really love about Arbor is that I just always feel supported mm. and um, or supported um, sort of like a family. And if there's ever an issue, um, I know that there's somebody to call for me to, to get some help on, yeah. uh, which I think is, you know, particularly, I mean, that was really good to hear because I think right now in particular, we are, we are hiring, uh, and I think everyone's doing this, we're having to hire folks that don't have the same kinds of experience that they did in 2018 or 2019, right? Just because the, the labor pool is different and we need to be more supportive of our of our folks to, to get them trained and get them up to speed. Yeah. And it, I, I would imagine that that, that increases the reliance on corporate office, that the, the, the workload and the type of work is different now. It, it absolutely is. We have, I don't think that we have ever had the same velocity of property visits as we do now. Um, you know, I'd say, in 2019, we were probably visiting, you know, properties that weren't under renovation or, you know, having significant issues, maybe once every four months, once every three months. Um, now, I would say every property is visited at least every six weeks and most properties every, you know, three or four weeks, wow. somebody's, somebody from corporate is, is on site. And what are they looking at? Um, and a lot of that is that, like, I just don't, I like Zoom. I like, I just don't think that you can get that same kind of um, connection and 
the sort of honesty that falls into place after that connection is created, right. you know, from being personal. Oh, I, I completely agree. You know, I, I can think back to having to visit properties and, and you, what you see in person is never what you envision when you're talking about it on the phone or, or on a Zoom call, right? And that it's yeah. that face-to-face interaction that allows you to to understand a little bit better what the other person's going through when you have to, you know, you're shoulder to shoulder with them, you know, in the housekeeping <laughs> linen closet or whatever mm-hmm. your thing is, right? And you're trying to figure out how to do something or why you can't get something done. And 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 those property visits are crucial. Did you guys, did you let me ask you this. What is it that when you go to the property or when your teams go to the property, what are they what are they trying to accomplish? Is it a is it like a, a quality service check? Is it relationship building? Is it to help cover shifts? Is it all of the above? Something else? Uh, it depends on the property. Um, you know, these you know, if I were to compare property visit in 2019 versus now, uh, in 2019 it would be very rare to cover shift or to do you know, sort of property level activities. Now, I would say 80% of our property visits, you know, someone is doing some level of, of helping with something that's, that would be a property level activity. Yeah. That's fine. I wouldn't say that's the, the primary driver. I wouldn't define that as a, a visit. Um, we, we, we are back to doing sort of what we call mock QAs, um, similar to what the brands would do. Um, we don't do that on every property visit, but we do you know, try and do that once a quarter or so. Um, make sure that we feel we feel good about where the properties stand with, in case the brands do show up for for QA. Um, but then we do you know sort of we have this a, a trip report um, that our our VPs do, and in that are various sections that we ask them to fill out, and they don't have to fill out everything. But what we ask, the, from my perspective, what I want them to accomplish when they go on site are really two things. One is to be able to physically see the property in a way that you can't see on paper, right? So walk the property, um, walk any areas that need CapEx, um, see what you know kinds of cleanliness issues we might be having. And then most importantly is connect with our people. Um, so I, I really push for our VPs when they're on site to take someone out to lunch or breakfast or coffee, um, take them off site. Um, doesn't, doesn't just have to be the GM. It can be whoever, or, you know, host a little breakfast in the, um, in the, in, in the, you know, community space or whatever, yeah. you know, the back of the house space, um, to connect with people. And that, that's what I mostly want to happen. Um, so those are the two things right now. And I, you know, I'd say, the priorities shift, um, you know, as, as our priorities change, but right now, you know, those are the priorities when we're on site, look at the property, try and figure out what we need to do to make sure that our property is back up to par. Um, because certainly during COVID, uh, CapEx spending slowed down. And so we're catching up on that. Yeah. Yeah. It, I get the sense from talking to a lot of people through the the pandemic that the soft skills that we talk a lot about and we've we've talked about it on the show right now so far those are the those are the skills that have turned out to be almost 
as maybe more important than some of the hard skills through the last couple of years. Um, I wonder from your perspective and sitting in your seat and you have all kinds of stakeholders that you've got to manage and you're managing up sideways and down every day, enforcing, executing. So you've got a big job from your perspective. What are those, are those soft skills? Is, Is that, is that mentality going to permeate the industry as we move forward? Or are you starting to see a return to the way things were 2019 and previous now that things are starting to get feel a little bit better? I'm not seeing a return to the way things were in 2019. Uh, and I think a lot of that is driven by, um, you know, sort of staffing and labor issues. And, and I'm not complaining about that. It's just, the reality. That's just the, you know, and it's an issue now because it's different than what it was in 2019. Right. right? But you know, this is just what we have to live with. Um, but guest guest expectations are back to 2019 expectations, right? So we have two sort of diverging things that we need to sort of bridge the gap on. And that's where I think these soft skills are, are real important. And as well as, you know, just the solution of just throwing more people at a problem, it's not even, forget about the money part. You just can't do it. There's, there's no people, people aren't always there to do right. it. Um, so how do you manage through that? And I think a lot of it is, you know, focusing on, um, on the people that we have and how do we get, allow them to be the best version of themselves to, to put as much as they feel comfortable with into a property. Um, cause you know, I, I think what we're, we're seeing is that at least with our select service properties, if we do the right things with our people, more can get accomplished with less people. Yeah. And there are some things like, you know, stay over cleans that aren't happening anymore. And that's, I think that's one, probably one thing that was good that came out of this pandemic is that that is sort of the new standard. I don't think anybody expects stay over cleans and we'll still provide it if somebody requests it, but it's not a stay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. You know, the, the soft skill conversation is something that, that just, it it continues to pop up in, in these conversations here. And it, 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 it seems to me, and I've seen myself and I, I've experienced it myself as I lead people and I've seen it through other leaders that it requires a certain level of vulnerability. It requires a different level of self-awareness to be a really great leader today than it did a couple of years ago. And, you know, as you, I'm not going to ask you to pick on anybody in the organization here, but as you, as you talk about senior leadership and and you've, you've got a very open and, and honest and, and I would argue vulnerable style with your team, mm-hmm. which probably lends to a lot of really great, you know, conversations and chemistry and all kinds of things going on in the organization. But once it leaves the office and it has to filter down to the, to the properties, are you leading your senior leaders differently today than you were a couple of years ago um, to, to try and really impart this so the culture, the culture conversation doesn't stop at, at your office door. And I, so I think in, from that perspective, that is something that I was pushing in 2018 and 2019 is, however, I think now I've honed in a little bit more on the connection piece in particular. You know, I, I was not as, I'd say, prescriptive in how I think people can create connection with their folks when they go on site. And now I am. Now I, I don't just say, 
hey, you know, you know, make sure you help your folks. Make sure that you're um, trying to, you know, in anecdotal ways, just being like real generic. Now, in the last regional meeting I had with our VPs, I said, when you go on site, I challenge everybody to take somebody out for coffee or lunch every single time. Um, I, you know, I have, I have these like various, various metrics about related to recognition. I'm looking at them every day, but I'm also following it myself. So I'm making a big effort myself to um, recognize property level folks uh, for what they're doing. And we see what they're doing. I get, you know, I get the reports, get the metrics, I get the guest reviews. I see what, what they're doing. Um, and, and I'm doing it myself of you know, making sure I'm recognizing those folks every day. And I'm incentivizing all of our corporate folks. I'm telling them, Hey, look, I want to see, I want to see you guys recognizing your property level folks. And this is how I want you to do it. Right. So that second part is not how in 2018, 2019, I would have, I, I would have left it more up to them. And now I'm being a little bit more prescriptive of how leading them the water. It's not, not so much up for interpretation. Yeah. Because if there's things yeah. that you know that work, <laughs> why not get them out there? Right. Yeah. And you know, it's not to say that they can't do different sure. things as well, but there's a few things that are, they're, they're important to me. I know they work and, um, and it makes people feel good, right? Like recognizing our people on site for things that they're, that they're doing for accolades for, you know, having a great cleanliness score. How can that not be a good thing? To Absolutely. Do, right? Like we see it and we appreciate it. Let's let them know. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, the, the hotel businesses you've, and I know you've seen since you've been running the company, since you bought your first hotel is very people heavy, very people centric. Yeah. Um, you know, that's why that whole conversation about soft skills is important. Is there anybody that you have learned from or tried to emulate in terms of your leadership style and how you, has your mind shift from the, from the finance world to the hospitality world, is there anyone who's kind of helped you make that transition? <laughs> uh, probably my executive coach. <laughs> <laughs> he's, doing his, he's doing his job. <laughs> She's she, doing, she's but, doing yeah. her job. Yeah. Yeah. No, she's, she's been really great. You know, I, I read a lot of, um, business books and, um, and, you know, I think there's something that I learned from all of them. And then I've, you know, I've, I've read about, you know, various leaders out there. Uh, but you know, a lot of leaders in the finance world in particular, um, they're, you know, like Jack Welch, right? Like, pretty cutthroat yeah. and how they get things done. And that's just, it's, it's not my personality and it takes a lot of energy out of me to, um, to be that cutthroat, especially in this kind of environment. Now, you know, we have to be, we have to have some level of accountability and our sort of levels of accountability have been increasing, especially now that the brands are becoming, um, you know, they're, they're asking us to be more accountable mm -hmm. and they're, you know, they're being very specific with what they want to see, but as well as guests. And so, you know, those are like two constituents that we have to cater to. So they're, they need more than I have to expect that both you know, our corporate folks and our property folks are going to get to a place that they're going to be able to provide those, you know, to those expectations. But I, I don't know, like a lot of the, the folks in the finance world and way, the way they manage is um, it's a little... I don't, I don't think it works for, 
for us. And, you know, I think maybe five years ago, I would have probably tried to take more out of what I've read from some of those books. And now, um, especially as we get out of COVID, I'm trying to be a little bit just more empathetic to the, the issues that are happening on the ground and, um, and also trying to get to our properties as much as possible so I can sort of stay grounded from that perspective and not just look at a spreadsheet and say, you know, we're not making this, we're not making that, but getting to the site and trying to understand, you know, oh, these are the setbacks, right? These are, you know, the, 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 the types of guests that we have now are, they're not all, you know, corporate travelers from Deloitte, right? Like it's, yeah, it's, it's a different, it's a different world out there. Yeah. It's people paying for their own travel. They don't, they're not traveling on a, you yeah. know, an expense account or billing it back to their company. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I remember sitting in, in many, many, many month end meetings, uh, with an, you know, an asset manager who's never set foot into a hotel other than to stay on their own or, or because they're there for the month end meeting, uh, yeah. finance, you know, finance person. And now I'm not picking up finance people, but you know, that your point about the different mindset is a good one. And it, it can be training because there are, there's layers to everything that goes on in a hotel. There's always a reason why, and then there's always another reason why that reason is why. So you, so you have to dig down, right? And unraveling and unpacking a lot of that to affect a very small metric change can be very difficult and very time-consuming. And so sometimes those quick turnarounds between P and Ls, why didn't it, well, you know, why didn't we see an improvement over last month? It it could it's because it just takes time. It takes time to move the needle, yeah. right? And you got to, you've got to be soft about it. You've got to constant gentle pressure rather than a quick shove in another direction has been the way that, you know, yeah. I've operated. Yeah. I mean, a repetition is, is needed. Yeah. There's a lot of repetition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. Uh, before we wrap here, uh, you mentioned that you, and I, I agree with you that it, I don't think we've seen the impact of this, this pandemic yet. Um, we've seen the immediate, we know, obviously we know that, you know, what happened the yeah. last two years, but I can't help but think that there's still something out there and I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist, but I just feel like, I feel like we haven't really seen what's going on. And maybe we are right now with, with the great resignation and, you know, people hard, hard to find people. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that we're moving in an automation. We're trying to figure out what automation is going to look like in the hotel space. I think that that For sure. movie's coming to your theater very soon. But from your perspective, I don't want this to sound like a conspiracy question, but is there, do you feel like there's another shoe to drop? What's, what's still out there that, that yeah. maybe we need to look at? My, so, if, you know, I think I'll, it's hard to predict the future, right? But there are a couple of things that concern me right now. And there, they are um, the war with Russia and um inflation uh and sort of you know monetary policy right um as far as interest rates and how that's going to affect um or slow down the economy if those issues were taken out i think that there are a lot of positive head um you know tailwinds for our industry and i think that people are they are ready to travel and get out both for leisure as well as for corporate. I think folks that are, you know, that, t- that used to travel for corporate, they see that there is 
a big benefit by getting in front of their um, getting in front of their clients and their customers who are seeing whatever they need to on site. Uh, you know, just the Zoom calls are they're okay, yeah. but they're not an equal substitute uh, for that. So, I I think if if we can somehow avoid a recession, which I'm not really sure is possible. Um, as each day goes by, I, I'm starting to feel more and more like um, there could be that. That's the shoe that could drop. Um, but if we avoid that, I think that there are some, you know, there's some there's some good stuff that could happen uh, in our industry over the next next year. And w- we will figure out the labor stuff. Like the, I, I'm not even going to say that that's an issue because that is. That's just what we have to navigate through. When you're in the hotel business, there's always some new issue or challenge to deal with every year. And that's just what we're going to have to deal with this year. You know, this was uh, a really insightful conversation. I appreciate you giving us a, a, a tiny peek into what's going on into a, a CEO's head right now. No problem. If anybody wants to learn more about you or Arbor Lodging, where should they go? Well, they can certainly go to arborlodging.com uh, and we've got plenty of stuff there and there's way to, ways to get in touch with us here on our website. Sounds good. I'll link to it in the show notes. I appreciate you coming on the show again, Chino. Have a good one. Thank you. This was my episode with Chino Patel. You can learn more about Arbor Lodging at arborlodging.com. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. If you're not a subscriber to the podcast, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For past episodes or to get in touch with us, just go to theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. And if you want to follow us on Instagram, we're at The Proven Principles Podcast, or you can find us on LinkedIn. I'm Adam Knight, and you've been listening to The Proven Principles Podcast. Until next time.